Uh, Chasing Daylight, that book is, is, is a study that our college and career group are going to be doing starting this weekend. So if you are uh, in that college career age and want to do that, that book is pretty transformational. There are a few books outside of Scripture that I would say rocked my world and my life as much uh, as that book, uh, Scripture being the primary one. But uh, that study Heather and I were going through before we made the decision to launch the church um, and it might not be as impactful or transformational for you, but uh, that book really just, you know, spoke into Heather and I and, and as a big reason of how we, God could use that to get us here today. So our college and career group are going to be starting with that. Um, we're going to take a break from Colossians a little bit because we have uh, somebody that uh, his schedule freed up and, and th- you might have seen him and met him in the coffee bar. Uh, he and his wife Janet come as often as they can, but uh, he never knows when he's going to have to get on a plane to some nice place. Um, a couple weeks ago, he sent me a, a text message, hello from uh, Brazil, Rio, right? Yeah, I, that made me uh, have to repent after that. Um, anyway, but we have them. Um, but just as I said, there's a few books that were transformational and getting to where I am today. Uh, there's a few men in my life that I would say um, have had the ability to speak into who I am. And when we launched the church, Ron started mentoring me, and he has the ability to get in and have the tough conversations with me. He has the ability to get in and, and really get to the meat of things, um, holds me accountable. Uh, he is a great leader in my life. He, he graduated from MIT with a management, a master's in management. Um, and I don't say that for you to put him on a pedestal because I love his heart and his humility. Um, the thing, he's, he's educated, he has more leadership in his little finger than I probably have in my entire life. Uh, but what I love about Ron is his heart and his heart to see the gospel spread throughout the world. And uh, he, uh, he gets really charged up and passionate about, about leadership um, because he understands the goal and the connection of leadership in getting the gospel out. And so I appreciate his heart about that, but I've got him, and uh, we're going to kind of banter a little bit for you this morning. And so I want to invite my friend up, Ron Schuff, give, give him a hand, make him feel welcome. Thank you. I'll fix the feng shui on the stage for us so we can have great dialogue. Yeah, you spared no expense, I see. I know. We've got the nice stools for us. <laughs> yeah, the ones with the pad. That's, That's right. Good. This is the children's courtyard. See, <laughs> oh, okay. We go high class in this place. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I want to welcome Ron because uh, when we launched the church, um, you know, one of my one of my other mentors, Dustin Bowles, who you've met and pastor of Mosaic, uh, said um, uh, you need to talk to Ron. And uh, Ron can send me an email and say, "How about lunch tomorrow at noon?" And I know we're going to get into some discussion. Um, we go and we sit at our uh, our restaurant. We have a booth. Uh, we go. We typically go to salad bars, right? Um, there's nothing wrong. We with try that. to be healthy. That's right. There's nothing wrong with two men going to a restaurant, eating salad. Okay, <laughs> really, there isn't. But the way he eats salad, it's not really salad. No, so. I can take the most healthy thing at a restaurant <laughs> and make it absolutely unhealthy um, because they put bacon on a salad bar, which is perfect if you think about it. Um, and I can, if if anything's yeah. going to mess that salad up, I can find it. Um, but I, I, Ron has been speaking into my life about leadership. And, and honestly, everything we do as a church is, is, has a spiritual element. But there's also an organizational side um, that he's invested in me as a leader to be able to 
uh, build an organization to be able to, to help a church grow and to move a church forward and cast vision. And so we're going to spend some time, just think of this, we're all sitting in the booth. It's nothing but us here. And we're going to sit in the booth and um, talk, talk leadership a little bit. Because like I said, um, there's a few men in my life that have been able to get in and really uh, invest in me. My father is, is probably the first and foremost mentor in my life. Taught me how to be a man. Taught me how to just suck it up and do things sometimes. That uh, you might not like it, but, but you got to get in and get it done. And he taught me how to be a godly father, a godly husband, and I'm grateful for that. I'm also grateful that God has brought other mentors into my life, like Ron, uh, that can call me out on leadership, that can invest in me, is willing to take his time in between Brazil and California and, and Italy and all of these places uh, to sit down with me and, and invest in leadership. Because, hey, it's a privilege to do so. You've done <laughs> well, some great I appreciate stuff. you. Um, I, I wouldn't be here without, without uh, people that have helped me. And so I, I think what, I, what we're going to center our discussion on today is really is Jesus. Imagine that. Um, came to Revolutionary talk about there, Jesus. Yeah. What, what am I thinking? <laughs> uh, but we tend to think about Jesus as being a, a rabbi, a good teacher, the Son of God, Messiah, Lord, and, and all of these things he is. Um, Jesus is God, but we also have to understand that Jesus is a leader. Uh, he was able to approach these, these gang of thugs, really. Uh, when you look at the disciples, they were not the best of the best. Um, they were not educated at the greatest institutions. They actually didn't make it far enough in their education to pursue what they really wanted to be. And they were told, hey, just go join the family business. Um, you see, I, I can relate to that. I spent enough time at TCC that I should be called a doctor, honestly. Um, I, I think I was on the nine-year program for junior college. Um, I try to take my time. I want to learn yeah, everything yeah. I can. Um, but... Um, Jesus called these men who were not the best of the best. He said, follow me. And they followed him. And not only did they follow him, uh, but they turned the world upside down. So there's a couple things that you have to connect with Jesus there. Uh, he is the son of God. He is who he says he is. Otherwise, Christianity could not have sustained itself. I mean, you just can't say there's this guy who's a great teacher and think a movement's going to sustain for 2,000 years. So when you look at Jesus, he is the son of God. And he's a great leader because he, he took these men and turned the world upside down. So that's what we're going to discuss today. And, and uh, Ron, help us understand kind of where your leadership comes from and, and leadership from your perspective and, and how, we, how we start to dive into this subject here. Sure. I, I've worked in business and worked with pastors and been in organizations and always been interested in leadership. Why does it work for some people and not for others? Why are people successful at it? Why do people fail? And uh, I look at it, and I saw people who had a lot of talent, they were really smart, flame out as leaders, not work at all. I I've seen people have a real passion for leadership. They really want to be the leader. They just ooze it, and, and they burn out too. And so I try to figure, what's, what makes a difference? And, and then you look at Jesus. Uh, he's the model as the leader, and I think the key is, is what uh, I call servant leadership, or what the Bible calls, and others have called servant leadership, which is leadership from a different direction. I think the worldly uh, perspective of a leader is kind of like a rock star that has an entourage that says when they get their coffee and they say, no, I said the buttermilk coffee. This is Pigswell. Send it out of here. You know, that kind of a, a leader. And, and that's not a Christian leader at all. And in fact, what I've seen, those bad leaders tend to fail because who wants to follow somebody like that? 
The good leaders are the ones that are invested in other people that look at leadership as an opportunity to serve, to make their followers or the people that work with them or report to them better, to bring uh, talents and abilities and contributions that people didn't even know they had, people who want to connect and want want to follow because they see that the leader has their best interest at heart, really a true servant leadership. And and, I, and I'm not just talking business or organizations, I'm talking parents too. Everybody here who's a parent is a leader. Probably the most important kind of leadership, leading the, the people of tomorrow, the children. And uh, having that kind of servant leadership and where parents truly have that, don't go overboard and just serve so much that they forget they're the leader. You see that problem. But you also see people who try to live their life through their kids and make them into a sports star or something and they're not all about their kids. They're all trying to do something for themselves. Uh, I feel better because my kid got better grades than yours. You know, that kind of thing is, that's not all about servant leadership. That's about yourself. And servant leadership is kind of an application of the golden rule. Right. Lead people like you'd want to be led. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, Jesus as a leader calls us to be leaders. And, you know, he said in Matthew twenty three eleven that uh, the greatest among you um, will, be the, will be your servant. And just so you know, let me side note. Uh, we're going to put scripture up on the screen. Don't get used to that. All right? You've got your Bible. Um, and uh, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles for you. But we're going to be tracking through several scriptures today. So we put it on the screen. And uh, next week, you're going to be back at it. You're going to have to, we're going to get in there. So just hang in there with us. But um, for time's sake. Because, he didn't uh, think I could keep up. So. Uh, <laughs> put it on the screen. I do what helps. I do what I can. But this idea of servant leadership is, is interesting because it's really uh, the differentiator between any other kind of worldly form of leadership and godly Christian leadership. And uh, you, you do understand. And I, I, I need you to understand something. You are a leader. You, you might be thinking, oh, great, here's a talk about how I can be a better employee, or here's a talk about how I can be a better... No, no, just move past that. Um, Jesus wants you to follow him. And, and you are a leader. In order to be a leader, you've got to understand the principles that Jesus lived his life by. If we're going to follow a man, follow God, we want to know who we're following. And he was a servant leader. Uh, I think this is best exemplified when he washed his disciples' feet. I, I think one good mark when you start thinking, okay, am I a good servant leader? Here's a good litmus test. Are you willing to serve the people you lead? Are you willing to wash their feet? I mean, think, think about this. Maybe the person in a couple cubes down or somebody in the office, or somebody in wherever it is you work, are you willing to wash their feet? That's a good litmus test if you're a servant leader. Uh, because honestly, most of us are like, uh-uh, I ain't going there. I, I guess a lot of it is motivation. Why do you really want to be a leader? Is it so you can impose your will on somebody else and make them do what you want them to do, not caring how they react or feel about that? Or are you trying to make them better? Yeah. And if your motivation is to try to impose your will for your own ends, for your own ego and glory and so forth, you'll burn out as a leader or people won't follow you. But if your motivation is to try to bring out the best in people, help them achieve things they never even knew they could achieve, as a follower will say, I want more of that. Mentor me. Give me more coaching. Help me. Absolutely. Well, that's the approach we take. Honestly, everyone on the staff here at the Creek um, has served before they could get a paycheck. Um, that, that's just the way it happens. I mean, if you're not willing to serve, uh, I don't want you as a leader in our organization. I, I look at a couple things. I'm just, 
we'll just be honest. It's just us girls in here. Um, but I look at a couple things. You know, if someone approaches me that, that wants to work on, on our staff, uh, you need to be a part of our church serving. Um, I do look at giving records because if I'm going to put you in a position in a place of leadership, man, I've got to know that, that you're willing to be a servant before you're willing to say, I want the title of a leader. And ministry, I think, is one of the dangerous places where we think, uh, if I can just get to that level or that position, I can have my, my, my boys, my peeps, you know, <laughs> my entourage, the people that serve me. Uh, you guys really spoil me more than you should and uh, how you, you serve me, and I appreciate that. But I've got to keep that in check or I'd be a prideful jerk. And, and I don't have people that serve me. If, if you think about it, it really is a bottom-up uh, approach. My time coaching my staff is how can I serve you? How can I make you better at your job? Because if I can make you better at your job, more people are going to be transformed. More lives are changed, and it's not building our empire. It's, it's lives that are on the line here. And so we've, we've got to think about that. But also being, being a, a servant leader means you've got to be tough when needed. Um, you've got to be willing to have those hard conversations. Uh, I'm, I'm the type of person, you know, and Ron's helped me with this a little bit. I, I, I have a hard time facing conflict head on. I'm, I don't like contention. I'm sure when I say contention and conflict, and I mention workplace, those people come to your mind that they probably get up in the morning. Their alarm goes off to, how can I make someone angry today? You know, <laughs> how can I really, I can't, I don't think of a soft way to say it. How can I really aggravate this person today? And, and they, they walk into the office, and, and their whole thing is, who's the target? Who can I pick out? Who is going to be that person that, that I can just, because I need to pick a fight with somebody. I, I tend to saturate their presence with my absence, as one man used to say. Um, I don't want to be around that. But I've also learned that in leadership, it, you've got to have the tough conversations. I think, again, Jesus is a model. We have a tendency, some of us, to think of him as a great teacher and prophet and kind of wore robes and disappeared into the mist. Boy, hippie that, Jesus. Yeah, hippie Jesus. I, <laughs> actually, that, that wasn't Jesus at all. I mean, to be able to stand strong and tall and, and accept crucifixion. And when the Pharisees came to challenge him, he stood right up. He didn't delegate any of the tough stuff. Very strong. I mean, the classic example of that is uh, right, uh, really the Passion Week, Crucifixion Week, mm-hmm. is when he went into the uh, temple and overturned the moneylenders' tables. That's not a, a wimpy Jesus, somebody that goes right in, righteous indignation. He did it very carefully and very, very deliberately and very intentionally, but he, did, he stepped up when he needed. And a leader does too. A leader who avoids the tough situations and wishes them away and hopes they go away and ignores them is a weak leader. And, and really, leadership, good leadership, is about making the tough decisions, making the tough calls, not avoiding those moments, not seeking them out or antagonizing people to create them, but when needed, stepping up and taking the hard action. And so many people want to be leaders, but they don't want that. They want to kind of run from it. And what I've learned over the years is it, when you allow that to happen, you know, I just, I'm not going to make a decision. You're making a decision. You're making a decision. You want to allow that to continue. Right. And that's how organizations fall apart. At Tough Leadership, talking about parents as leaders again, boy, you get faced with that a lot as a parent, a lot. I mean, it's so easy to, 
oh, I hope my kid grows out of it, or I hope this situation passes and we get through this. And, and the failure to step up and stop things with kids and not show them the kind of tough love, tough servant love, will f- cause all kinds of problems, uh, not only for you, but anybody around your kids. when you have that kind of situation. Yeah, you'll get all kinds of parental coaching there. (laughs) Um, This is what happened with Jesus. It says that uh, he entered the temporary and began driving out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. Um, What's going on there is Jesus is, (laughs) he's angry. I mean, the the, the eight pound, six ounce golden fleece baby Jesus turned into angry. And, And the reason he got angry, and this is important, it's important to stay focused on the mission because Jesus wasn't just getting angry because of he, he just had enough. You know, he was angry at breakfast was burned the morning before and, and Peter was spouting off his mouth and, and John was, was asking him to do ridiculous things and, and Matthew, Matthew's probably the best one, but um, I'm just saying. But he wasn't reacting and responding to situations that were days or even hours old. He was dealing with the situation at hand. So you understand what was really going on is, is there was money being exchanged in the temple courts and they were charging crazy amounts of exchange rates. My daughter lives in Canada and we send her some money each month and they hit me on this exchange rate and, and they were charging exorbitant amounts. They were also selling sacrifices. Bottom line, what was happening is they were keeping people from coming to God. And Jesus says, Jesus is, I'm going to tear down that barrier. And he went at it. He, he wasn't willing to, he didn't just walk in and go, I need to turn the other cheek on this. I mean, he, he turned the table instead of the cheek. And so we've got to understand that. Uh, we don't go to this as our go-to reaction or our go-to action. We've got to be sensitive and, and be in the moment. And, and here's one key. Here's, here's a little filter for, for your engaging difficult people or difficult situations. You always want to go to the right person at the right time and be in the right spirit. Um, you need to pray about this. You don't want to go to everyone else in the organization. Here's how, here's how a bunch of mess can be avoided. If you would just go talk to that person and make sure you go at the right time. If you've got to calm down, go calm down. Go take your moment and then pray about it. And you've got to come into this where you can be focused on the right situation. And you've got to be in the right spirit. If you're coming with some revenge on your mind, it's not going to go well. Uh, I think we've all seen seen that uh, go into a terrible situation. But I think, I think this is a principle we have to be able to understand because I, the feedback I get a lot from Christians is how do we stand up for Christ in our world? I mean, how do we be humble and how do we be meek, but yet how do we not just roll over and let ourselves be walked on? And I think it's being... You have to pick your spots, pick your moments, and pick the way you do things. But don't pick a route where you avoid that. Right. Exactly. Um, The other thing, I'll I'll keep us going. Um, But I think a mark of being a good leader is being a good follower. Uh, Because in in Mark 14, uh, Jesus is praying. This is right before he's arrested. It says that he went on a little farther and he fell and he was praying, Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. And he says, but not what I will, but what you will. You see, Jesus is God. We've, we've spent enough time speaking on theology about that. And we understand Jesus is God. And he was willing to submit to God the Father. And so the, the truth in this is we all submit to somebody. I mean, I, I have, 
areas that I submit to. I submit to my mentors. I submit we have elders in the church. I have a board of directors that help oversee the church. I, with you guys, I mean, we all submit to each other. We're in this relationship. It helps us not make decisions in a vacuum. No, and I've seen that in the business, that the leaders who don't get along with his or her own boss usually end up a disaster. Always it's a problem. And if, in fact, no one wants to follow somebody who they know is not in good standing with the overall organization. And CEOs have boards of directors. Boards of directors have shareholders. Everybody has somebody. Everybody is accountable to somebody. Everybody needs to be a good follower. And Jesus, what a great model. Here he is, God. He can do whatever he wants. And he submits. He's willing to, to pay the, uh, a huge sacrificial price and submit. Cause that's what, and he was a follower. And bringing that back kind of to parents, uh, it's real easy to not follow. I mean, and we should all follow the Bible and follow these teachings. But I see it other times in schools or other organizations where instead of following and, and staying with the program, and I'm not saying if it's a bad program, don't be in it, but standing up and taking the opposite side and having your kids see you fighting with people and trying to defend them from the things they did that were wrong and all that sort of thing. Really important to understand your role there and how you model it. If you model following well for them, they're going to be a better follower of you. Yeah. They're going to see how it works and how important it is to follow. And uh, so f- following and, and leading are really intertwined in ways that sometimes people don't think about when they just focus on the leadership aspects of making the speech or giving the performance rating or whatever. Yeah, I think we've all said this one. Some, if you can remember um, when you were a child, you're like, when I'm the adult, I'm going to do it my way. You know, and, and your kids need to see you submitting to other people. Let me ask you this, uh, and this is kind of a reflection question for you, but who do you have in your life that can speak into you, um, that you're willing to submit to? Now, we submit to Christ. We submit to Scripture. But, but who is it you have in your life that, that you can let into those moments and say, here's what I really wrestle with. Um, I, I, have, I have a few men in my life that I can, I can say I'm, I'm wrestling with this. I'm struggling in leadership in this area. Ron is, helps me see that. He can call me into account. Uh, he's a mentor. Who do you have? Who are your mentors? Uh, I, I think you, you need to be able to answer that question. And, and align yourself to where you can follow someone and let someone mentor you uh, and speak into you. Because here's the thing, life is a process. Uh, if you're a parent, you understand this. Uh, your goal as parents, by the way, is to raise your kids to leave. When you look at parenthood in Scripture, it says, for this reason a, father, a man will leave his father and mother. You raise your kids to leave. So... You need to decide what type of child you want to leave your home at 18 years old, not 30 years old still raiding your pantry. <laughs> I can get a witness on that, some of you. But, uh, but you're raising your children to be healthy, functioning, contributing members of society. And so in order to get there, the next principle is to begin with the end in mind. You know, what does it look like for your kids when they leave? Uh, when you... Uh, are planning this, when you have this bundle of joy. We did baby dedications a few weeks ago, and they're, they're going to grow. They just, they just naturally do it. They get bigger, and so you've you got so. to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, um, but you begin with that end in mind, and, and you know, 
God had this end mission in mind. And talk to us well, about I, what I, that looks well, like. Well, I think it look, uh, you look at uh, Jesus and his whole ministry is headed towards the cross. Everything is very intentional about where he knows he's going to end up and what the plan is. And so, and he never deviated from it, and he spent three years really preparing the disciples for it. In fact, in ways they didn't even realize until after it was done. And then right. they realized, and it helped empower them, it really did empower them to change the world. So we're here talking about it today. But there was a lot of intentionality and, and deliberate nature. And what I see in leaders that fail tend to forget what's important and just get buffeted by the waves. In whatever pressure comes, whatever uh, request comes, they, they follow it. And what happens is at the end of the year, they look back and they really didn't get the important things done. And all of us are subject to what I call the tyranny of the urgent. We all have phone uh, messages and emails and pick up this at the grocery store and take this to the cleaners and traffic is worse. And, and at the end, you, you, all of, you're so busy being busy, you don't get anything important done. That's why it's so important to plan and to say, where do I really want to get to to achieve what's truly important? And, and a, a good leader will sit back and say, this is what's truly important. And I think about it. These are the steps it's going to take to get there. These are the resources that I need. This is the support I've got to have. And then sit back and, and work on that because planning becomes very, very important. Like you plan to have your, uh, pay for college for your child or whatever. You've got to start saving. It's the same thing. That if you just go with all the whims and the pressures of the moment, you won't do that and do it well. And yeah. so, and, and we're not saying that, that you should follow it like a cookbook. I, I, we say uh, failure to plan is plan to fail. And there is a real true element to that, that if you haven't thought through where you want to go, you're very unlikely to get there. But it's not a cookbook. The other, Eisenhower said, and I always loved this, he said, you absolutely have to have a plan. Because without a plan... You won't have anything to change when reality strikes. <laughs> and reality will strike, and it'll make you have to change things. But by having thought through this, it's a lot easier to modify and change right. than it is to just react, because you, you, most likely you'll make a mistake by not having the end in mind. Well, I think you end up spending your entire life reacting, reacting, reacting. Uh, we, we have a process that if I do your wedding, you're going through a pretty tough process. Um, but there's a planning element, and I ask you to write for me your goals and what does your marriage look like at the five-year mark? And we put that bullseye out there uh, so we can see short-term but then also get into long-term. And I ask our couples these questions. Tell me what your marriage looks like uh, in the area of sexual relationship, and that's the romance. Are we still romancing each other? Are we dating each other at five years? Um, what does your marriage look like financially? What does your family look like? What do you look like spiritually in five years? Because here's what I've seen. Uh, you said failure to plan is planning to fail. Uh, I've, had, I've never had a couple stand in front of me at the altar planning for divorce. But I haven't had a couple, very many couples stand at the altar planning how to stay married. And, and the interesting thing is we've got to implement this plan. What does our relationships look like as a parent? You know, you may not be married, but you can start setting goals for your marriage. If you're a single mom, single dad, what does it look like to raise healthy kids? It, it, you've got to start to put that out there that you're tracking for something. You know, for us as a church, we do that. Um, we've been spending a lot of time meeting with a leadership team, praying, fasting about what does the next three to five years look like for us as a church? 
We know we can't stay in the courtyard forever. Um, we love it here, but we can't be here forever. So we're trying to look down the road and say, where, where's the next step on for us where we go? If you think about it, it is a biblical thing. Jesus was pointed to the cross, but you look back at the redemption of mankind, it started in the garden, and the reconciliation of all things worked backwards to the cross. And so we've got to become uh, good at planning. And I'm, I, we've got to become good at being proactive instead of reactive. So, uh, our next one, you're going to have to help us on this one because this is, uh, this is a term that came out of the 90s, um, EQ. I think I introduced you to this one. Yes, you did. And it is. EQ is changed my world. IQ is, um, I think you know this intelligent quotient. It's the test. It's how uh, academically or smart you are, how well you can get on your SAT. And, and uh, a lot of research was done, and it found that the people that scored the highest on the SAT uh, usually ended up the scientists and all the people who were leaders didn't. And they had another skill that's now been called EQ or emotional intelligence. It's, it's a different form of intelligence. It's the ability to read people. It's the ability to connect people with people. It's the ability to motivate people, to kind of know what makes them tick. And it comes uh, really... Uh, from empathy, from the ability to kind of understand what motivates people. And it's a, a key part of leadership because a leader who's, who can be very, very academically smart and be totally uh, incapable as a leader by speaking in such highbrow language nobody can understand or spend all their time researching things that nobody cares about except them. And the good leaders have emotional intelligence, the ability to have empathy, the ability to connect. And Jesus had it. Look at it. I mean, he could see through the disciples. Yeah. Think of he—he he saw abilities in fishermen and tax collectors that they didn't know they had to change the world. He saw Peter boast and say crazy things and looked right through him and called him out. And did it in a loving way, but he called him out. And so Jesus had that ultimate emotional intelligence—the ability to understand, read hearts, and connect. Yeah. And and our, we need that ability to be good leaders, is to read hearts and connect. You certainly need it as a parent to be able to tell the difference whether they're really sick or the kid has a test. <laughs> You're going to have those kind of moments where you really need to have the emotional intelligence and know your child yeah. to be able to, to be successful as a parent. And it all kind of goes back to the golden rule, too. If you, if you have a, a real self-interest or you're worried about how you're perceived or you're worried about how you're coming off or what you're doing or whether you're making money or not, it's hard to get through those filters and really connect and read somebody. Yeah. You have to be able to let that go and look at it dispassionately and honestly and openly in a way to connect and really have true emotional intelligence. Absolutely. Well, when Jesus encountered Peter in Luke 22, uh, he says to him, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift you like wheat, um, but I have prayed for you. How encouraging that would be, you know. If God, and I, we talked about spiritual attack, I mean, if, if God were to say, hey, Matt, Satan's going to come and, and attack you a little bit, but don't worry, I prayed for you. I'd be like, thanks, God. You know, why don't you do a little bit more than that, you know? But he says he's going he's gonna to sift you like wheat. Um, but I've prayed for you, uh, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And then Simon replied to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. He said, Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you'll deny me three times. You'll deny three times that you know me. See, Jesus had the ability to read through um, 
the, the front reaction and, and to be able to see the heart. And he had the intelligence to understand where Peter was coming from too. He knew Peter. He had spent time with Peter and he just didn't know facts about Peter. He, think of it this way. You may work with people or even with your kids. You may know the stats on your kids. You may ha- have a high kid IQ. But what's your EQ like with them? How much are you able to, to sympathize with your kids or empathize with your kids and to be able to get in the moment and share with them the wisdom that you've picked up through life? Not just to be able to say, turn right here when this happens. When this hits your finances, do this. But actually get in and feel with them. I think this is a big indicator of all of these other measures of leadership. I mean, think about the servant leadership. You might be smart enough to figure out, here's the steps I can take to make it look this way and to give an appearance. But unless you're emotionally invested, uh, it means nothing. Because honestly, we think that our smarts are going to outsmart everything else. But having the EQ and engaging with the heart is going to allow you to get in and be more genuine in a situation. Honestly, when we launched the church, I wrestled because I, I, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. But you know what? Gosh darn it, people like me. Stuart and, Smalley. That's yeah. right. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I had that and Heather saying, I'm with you, heart and soul. And, and we said, well, let's, let's do this thing. And I've learned a lot along the way. I think my, um, my, maybe my IQ has not gone up very much, um, but I've learned a lot of things. But what I've learned is it's really this element of a family and a church and, and us being willing to engage with each other and say, me too. I mean, we all have an IQ, and it, it is what it is. And, but to be a true leader and, and to be the leader God wants you to be is developing that emotional intelligence. Yeah. I don't care what your IQ is. You can learn. Mm. And if it's having that right attitude. Yeah. You can be like Forrest Gump. I may not be a smart man, but I know how to lead, right? <laughs> All right. We're going to have to Somewhat keep... like him. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll close up with this last point. It's training and experience. You know, we can talk principles and theories all day long. And, and really, if you think about it, church is designed this way. We come into this room and, and we, we try to get an understanding. We try to draw in to the Word of God, the heart of God, to get the encouragement to go and do. Because everything about the Great Commission is not sit and learn. Too many times we think we come into a relationship with Christ and we think, okay, the next step is I've got to find a church and I've got to sit there until Jesus comes back. And that's absolutely against everything that Jesus is teaching us in Scripture. He's saying, get in there. Get your hands dirty. Uh, You know, let's do this thing. In in Matthew chapter 14, uh, Jesus actually works through the disciples. Uh, They're trying to feed 5,000 men. Now, this is 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Some estimate that there's about 15 to 20,000 people there. Jesus is teaching them. He's on the the hillside, and they're like, hey, Jesus, you need to dismiss them uh, because they got to go get something to eat. It's kind of like that tick going off in the back of my head right now. I can feel some of your stares. (laughs) Hey, it's 1225. Uh, we got to go eat, you know, so you need to dismiss these people. And Jesus says to the disciples, no, you feed them. They're like, I don't have anything. I might have some Taco Bell coupons or something, but I got nothing. Um, you're really scraping the barrel if you got Taco Bell coupons. I'm just saying. Uh, but then uh, he says this in, in, in Matthew 14, 19. He says, he directed the people to sit down on the grass taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, gave thanks and broke the loaves. 
Then he gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. What he's saying is to the disciples, get in here. Get, get, get going. I've given you abilities, now, now use them. I think too many times we pray for God to do stuff for us, and, and he's saying, I want to do a lot through you. You know, we're like, God, I want I'll make me into the parent that, uh, that you've made me to be. Help me be the father. Help me be the husband. Help me be the mother. Help me be the wife. Help me be the employee that you, you've designed me to be. Help me to be the type of person that can honor my boss, can honor my spouse, can raise my children. And he's saying, quit, quit sitting and asking me to do these things for you. Get up and do it. Get up and be the husband. Get up and be the wife. Get up and be the employee. Get up and be the son or the daughter. He's saying, I would rather work through you instead of for you. And I think that's what we I, I mean, it's where everything it, it, comes yeah, together. You don't become a good leader without rolling up your shirt sleeves and getting your hands dirty. There's no substitute for experience. It won't be perfect, but you've got to get out there and try. You've got to start. And the, the best leaders are the ones who are the most experienced. And this all kind of pulls together. You develop more emotional intelligence when you, you lead more because you get to know people more. You, you get a better ability to be a servant leader because you understand what makes them tick and you see what works and what doesn't. You, you have a chance to see what works as a follower better. All these things kind of come together. And it, it, as a new parent, uh, certainly getting the experience of others, very, very helpful. And then being able to share that, again, very, very helpful. But this Christian leadership is all about doing. And, and really, we talk a lot about being followers of Christ, and we are. But we ought to become leaders through Christ because this is, this is not a, a passive uh, academic study. If it's that, only that for you, that's cold, and, and it's just not what Christianity is all about. It's about being a leader in doing. It's about a leader in making things happen for God. It's about using your talents and your spiritual gifts, whatever they may be, and applying them and gaining the experience through them to be the best that you can be as a leader. And without doing that, you won't grow. And by doing that, God can work through you to make amazing things happen. Yeah. Amazing. I think, just to wrap it up, um, this is the challenge, is to be the leader God created you to be. Um, he's given you abilities. He's given you passions. He hasn't made you perfect. And even the things that you may think might be your biggest flaws to be the leader God's created you to be, he can redeem those. And he's given you those for a purpose. And so, you know, what, what I want is a, is a church that's not afraid to get up and go do and to be leaders in our community, to be leaders in our church and to, to stand up and say, you know what, I'm going to be a part of this. I want to experience this. I just don't want to just know about it. I want to do it. And, and I, I hope that, that at the core of this, you can connect with Jesus in a way and even see Jesus in a way you've never, maybe never even seen him before. Um, that that he was his leadership qualities are what led him to the cross, and and the leadership that he has is what gives the ability to call us from death into life, and to call us to be the leaders that he's created us to be. So that's the challenge. I mean, don't don't just be lazy with it. Let's do it, um, and and we'll we'll go from there. Um, Ron, I'm going to have Ron pray for us. Would you pray for I'd us? I'd be Ron? delighted to. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for this chance to get together and study your word and 
learn your kinds of leadership and help us be uh, better servant leaders to really understand what that means and to have the the kind of heart that it takes and be tough when needed but not unnecessarily uh, to have that emotional intelligence to be a good follower and to gain the experience that you want us to, to gain. Help us step out and do those kind of things so we can become not just followers of you, but leaders through you. And we thank you for this church. We thank you for this time to come together. And we just pray that you'll help us be the kind of people you want us to be by doing the kind of things you want us to do and saying the kind of things you want us to say, all to bring glory to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.